Living Corporate is brought to you by the Liberated Love Notes podcast, part of the Living Corporate Network. The Liberated Love Notes podcast is a starting point for integrating self and community affirmations into your daily practices. The Liberated Love Notes podcast centers the experience of black folks existing in white systems and speaks to overcoming imposter syndrome, disrupting injected and internalized forms of oppression, embodying an abundance mindset, and building a healthy racial identity. Check out Liberated Love Notes podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, hosted by Brittany Janae Harris. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us back at the Access Point. Um, so today, today we are going to have a great conversation about applying for jobs, right? And essentially that job search process. But before we do, I want to quickly run an introduction by us because I want to make sure we all know why we're here, right? We are brought here by Living Corporate. And so for those of you who don't know what Living Corporate is, Living Corporate is a media network that creates content that centers and amplifies black and brown folks in the workplace, right? Or in this case, getting ready for work. So that's what this new initiative is with Access Point. Um, and we are really excited to have the first episode here today. So once again, just a quick introduction to who I am. I'm Tristan Layfield. I'm the owner and head career coach at Layfield Resume Consulting. Uh, we helped over 500 job seekers leverage their value to transition their careers. Um, and so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you all today. Um, and I want to pass it over to Tiffany, uh, my co-host, who's going to give you a little background on the access point. So Tiffany? Thank you, Tristan. So Access Point is the newest web TV series hosted by Living Corporate. Uh, we, the organization designed the series and this awesome lineup of guests that we have throughout the next year with the college students in mind and specifically black and brown college students in mind. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, it might've been a while ago that I was in college, but we talked a lot about what some of the learning opportunities we could have hit while we were there, the things that we wished we knew. And so we have a series of powerhouse guests over the next several months, uh, tackling some of the big rocks as it relates to preparing for that college to career pivot or college to corporate pivot. Uh, so excited to be one of your co-hosts tonight. Again, my name is Tiffany Waddell-Tate. I am CEO and founder of Career Maven Consulting. Uh, where I spend time uh, career coaching and working with some talent consulting as well to help folks find the jobs and companies retain top talent. Tonight, we are uh, we have Kirsten Greggs from Trap Recruiter with us. Kirsten, tell the people a little bit about you and your company. I am Kirsten Greggs. I have been in talent acquisition for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I started my business in 2016, it was to bring trust, relationship building, accountability, and a proactive approach back into the recruiting life cycle. So I definitely am committed to and power towards bridging the gap between job seekers and the organizations that are looking to attract, select, and retain diverse talent. Awesome. So tell us why you said yes to the Access Point invitation. Because of Living Corporate, um, to be honest, I, that the reputation was there. I have uh, friends who have 
uh, either been on the podcast or are going to be on the podcast. I, I follow uh, via social media the things that are going on. And any any opportunity that I get to to speak to early career um those that are, you know, just starting out in their career, I do that, especially uh, black and brown people. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having sure. me. And I'm, I'm a little uh, apprehensive. I'm like, I'm the first guest and this has to, <laughs> to be extra good. <laughs> I know you, you set in the tone, you set in the tone. Uh, but no, we're really excited to have you here. Um, and, you know, we are really excited for this conversation overall. So, Tiffany, you want to ask the first question here? Absolutely. So, Kirsten, for college students and early grads who are just getting started on the job search process, whether they're, you know, first or second year students or they're really just starting to dig in deep uh, as they plan for a career transition, where is the best place to start when you're thinking about mobilizing a job search? Well, I'm going to tell you that I think most people, when they're looking for a job, the first thing that they do is say, I have to get my resume ready. But I want to take people a few steps back um, in that and that I, I do what I call the job step, the job search steps, which aren't necessarily a step because it's more of a circle. It's more of a cycle. You're always at one point in it. And you know, the, the point zero is doing the work, you know, the, the, the next step is, you know, doing the preparation and all that. So I would say you need to prepare first and foremost to know what type of job you're, you're looking for, what I, what's ideal to you, what type of organization you want to work for, what your must-haves are. Before you even start to craft your resume, I, I, I advise that folks do that first, like know exactly what you're going to be searching for. That way, you know where to look. Thank you. That's so good. Yes, I I really, really love that, um, you know, because I, I started off doing resume writing. Um, mm -hmm. But often what happens is people want to get their document done without understanding where they're trying to go. Right. And we know that creating a resume, um, creating the best resume for where you're trying to go, it requires you to understand where you're trying to go first. Right. We have to tailor those things. Um, you can't just immediately jump out the gate. And be like, hey, I want to, I want to get a resume done, right? That's just mm -hmm. not gonna work very well. You can get a resume done. It's probably not gonna land you very many interviews, though, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I love that answer. Now, in thinking about this, right? How might job seekers make themselves stand out during the job search process, right? We know there's a lot of the unemployment rate is high now, which means that the competition's fierce. So how do we make, how do we make ourselves stand out? Be discoverable. There is a lot of information on online that's available to the job seekers, but the job seekers also have to make themselves discoverable to potential employers. So have your resume uploaded to the job sites that match your career field. Have a LinkedIn profile. Engage with organizations that you're interested in working for the ones that you've either applied to or the ones that you're thinking of applying to in the future when you're you know when you're ready when you're when your coursework is completed and when you're ready to start searching for a job any opportunity that you can get an internship as well and it doesn't necessarily have to be in your field volunteer uh network and like i said engage as much as you can even if you're what i mean by engagement is even if you're on a website and someone posts 
uh, a story that you read, even if you just like it or put a comment that says, hmm, that was interesting. You may not have even read it, but at least you're at least you're letting it be known that you're there. And then if the author perhaps, you know, again, has a starts a conversation with you, that's a great end. And I know that it's difficult for for folks to accept this a lot of times because they think folks like me that recruiters are kind of the enemy and that we're, you know, we're gatekeeping in a bad way and trying to keep people out of the uh, employment space, but that's not necessarily the case. So find even recruiters that you can uh, leverage, recruiters that can advocate for you, uh, folks inside of organizations that mentor you through your school, uh, through your internship programs. There's a lot of ways that you can be seen and heard. And there's a lot of tools you can use now as well. Uh, like, so you're on social media, perhaps you have a uh, a YouTube channel that's not even your part of your career, but it gives folks an understanding and an idea about who you are as a person, who your authentic self is. Um, and you're showing how you're, you're showing what's important to you. You're showing the skills that you have that can translate into your future job. Do those things. You know, your passion isn't necessarily going to be your job. I was lucky <laughs> in the sense that, you know, I like to help people, but this was, I, I didn't even know what a recruiter was when I started recruiting. I was called upon, you know, at Monster had just come out. So I'm telling y'all how old I am. So Monster had just started and I posted my resume on this job board thing. And someone reached out to me and said, um, you know, come in for an interview for a technical recruiter. So I'm searching like, I don't know what a technical recruiter is. And the interviewer said, you know, we like your personality. We like your your drive and we're going to train you to do the work. You know, you have the foundation, but we're going to train you how to recruit. So I just say, again, be discoverable and have ways that you're putting your authentic self out there. That's awesome. So Kirsten, it sounds like you've seen a lot uh, in your experience as a recruiter. Well, just because we know that full life cycle recruiting means you yeah. need a lot of people in a short period of time, right? So, yeah. so what are some of the common mistakes that you see college students or early career professionals make when it comes to their job search process or engaging with a recruiter or anywhere in between? What are some of those, those mistakes? I think the common mistake or the mistake I see most often is being too laser focused and not getting to the no quickly enough. So when I say no, I mean next opportunity. So I think that those that are fresh in their job search or just starting out and, you know, are kind of trying to figure things out, a lot of times they don't recognize the signs of someone who's ghosting them or trying or, or even rejecting them um, and kind of just pushing them along. They haven't done it enough to, to, to catch on to those cues. And I think that they, they'll spend more time waiting without following up and, you know, without asking the right questions. So I would say to get to the no as quickly as possible because it's always about the next opportunity. And that that what that first job or that the, that one employer that you know didn't work out that time, that doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity opportunity for you there in the future. Mm, that's good. I love that next opportunity. Get to that no and like think of no the actual word no in a new way. Yes. Awesome. So I'm going to go a little off script here because I heard you mention something mm -hmm. that um, 
I actually recently just did a conference presentation on it was ghosting when it comes to the recru recruiting process. Um, so with ghosting, like number one, can you tell a little bit, tell people a little bit about what that is, right? Because I want to be mindful that we're talking to, you know, college students and recent grads. They may not immediately, they probably know it in the dating sense, but let's talk about what that is in the HR recruiting sense. And then like, what do we do if we feel we're being ghosted? Because that's a question that I see come up often. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't know how to respond to, right? Um, so what do you think about that? I apologize for putting you on the spot here. No, you're, you're not, because I talk about <laughs> ghosting all the time. And I always try to contextualize recruiting in my, like everything I do, I, I kind of try and think about it as, as part of my career as part of my recruiting. So ghosting in your personal relationships is the same as ghosting in your professional relationships. It's the not answering your emails, the not answering your calls. It's the hiring someone and not telling you. So, you know, if, if you were dating someone or you went on a date with someone and then they turn up four weeks later on Instagram, boot up and they have a whole new uh, situation talk, you know, hashtag, you know, goals and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing with organizations because organizations do that too. They will totally ghost you. They will, they will talk, they, they will, you know, court you for a while or they'll, they'll go on that date with you. So they'll, they'll, they'll engage in an interview or a phone screen. And then you don't hear from them again because, you know, they're courting other people, they're dating other people. And then, you know, if that person, if they're ideal, if they're a player didn't accept the position, then they come to you, you know, six weeks later, uh, you know, uh, two months later, like, like, hey, big head. No, don't do that. To me. That's happened. Like, that's literally happened to me. And, and, and I'm a recruiter. Like, I have gone on an interview or gone on two interviews with the same company. Don't hear from them. And then, like, two months later, they're like, hey, girl. <laughs> It's so good to see you. So ghosting is the same way and, and treat it, treat it that way. I mean, like I said, if you're getting to the no, if, if, there, if enough time has gone past with you having, again, with you, with you having reached out and not gotten a response that, that at least says something like, I am so sorry, you know, something changed in the, in the process, or we put this position on hold, you know, they didn't give you any feedback. If they did not set any expectations for you, it's best that you just move on. And there is a chance, again, like I said, that they'll go on those other dates and they'll court those other people and then come back to you as like their, you know, their plan B or, you know, someone they're going to settle for. And whether or not you accept that, that date is up to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that 100%. Um you know, ghosting is something that I think most of us have experienced at some point in our careers. Um, it may not, you know, it's not something that happens every time, but it is something that, you know, will will pop up on you and you'd be like, I, I thought I did everything right, right? It makes you start questioning what you did, right? Down where the wrong church, right? Like, what, what is going on here, right? Like, you was talking to me before, we set up an interview, what's going on? So, so let me again. I, I, I don't normally do this, but I do need to take the side of the of the employer and the recruiter too, and say that that job seekers ghost us too. You know, they. I agree. They may, uh -huh. they may, for lack of a better word, use us for practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and just they know they really they were they've been waiting for you know that their 
their A player company to get in touch with them. And, you know, perhaps their process is a little longer. So they fill their time and their space and they, you know, they keep certain folks in the friend zone since we're, since we're keeping on the relationship. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we, we go to Dave and Buster's. Is that even still open? Oh, God, I did it again. I told how old I was. <laughs> it is, it is, okay. Buster's still going, yes. Okay, okay, good. So, you know, they, they, they go on these little, you know, platonic group dates with us. And then, like I said, they're just waiting for a better offer. So um, I would say job seekers don't, please don't, don't ghost recruiters or organizations either. That's so good. I worked in college career development for a number of years, and it was like the number one thing recruiters would complain about is students students leaving an interview seeming like they were shopping on a buffet and not Mm. interested in the position, right? So, you know, if you... It, it doesn't mean that you're you're being fake. It's just when you're in the interview or you're having the conversation, show up like you mean it is, is essentially what I would tell students all the time because you don't want to leave a bad taste in, in a recruiter or hiring manager's mouth. Correct. So that's good. All right, Kirsten. So I have a question. Yes. In your experience, is there a difference between an applicant applying on a job board like Indeed or Monster or wherever versus applying directly on a company's website? And if so, can you explain the difference? There there are differences. And I just want to talk about the best of both. I strongly, strongly suggest doing both. Well, I'll start with the job boards. Apply on job boards because you can search and have access to more jobs, to more employers that you may not have been familiar with. So if you're doing a search for a software engineering position and in your mind, you only know those top tier companies, the ones that are in the news the most, the ones that come onto your campus, um, those are the ones that you're going to be focused on. So if you if you're on Indeed, you're going to see those other those other organizations that maybe don't have the money to market and to brand themselves the way that these larger corporations do, but they're also excellent places to work. So you'll have access to those folks. And also you'll have more people, if you save your resume and you allow yourself to be searchable and discoverable on those third-party sites, those organizations can come and find you as well. Now, the pluses for applying directly to jobs for, on the company website is that you have that time to go in and you can research the company. So you're not going by what you actually, you know, the 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 things that you think about them, you know, you can, and what your friend said about working there, like you're actually making these decisions for yourself, seeing how they fit you, not necessarily how, how you're going to fit them. Mm-hmm. You can, you can sign up for their talent communities you know, you can engage with their recruiters because, you know, when you apply online sometimes or, you know, sometimes they'll have your, the recruiter name, you know, to, you know, to apply, you know, reach out to this person. And you can go do your research on that company. You can go do your research on that recruiter. So there, there's pluses to both things. Like I said, the, the third party sites give you a, give you a broader scale. And then the the direct company websites, you know, if you're dead set on that organization, you know, and you want to spend your time and you're, you know, that you're, that's the job that you want, um, then you'll, you'll spend your time there, but I would definitely suggest doing both. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
So I want to pivot for a second to the to a part of the application process that many people talk about not liking, and it's the cover letter, right? People really feel like they're obsolete. Um, so I wanted to get your take on this. Like, what's your take on cover letters? Should students and, and early graduates write and submit cover letters when applying, even if the application doesn't require one? Or what do you think about that topic? So I am of the, I, I, I don't mind cover letters because I think it gives job seekers the opportunity to tell a part of the story that's not included on their resume. It may be that time that they can spend talking about themselves and how they meet the desired skills um, or those nice to haves, those things that are going to differentiate you, those things that are going to set you apart that you cannot truthfully write to by just talking about your past experience. So I don't mind cover letters. And if someone takes the time to write them, I absolutely read them. But I am an outlier when it comes to cover letters. So if an organization does not require one, then you don't need a cover letter. I like it. I like it. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, you know, when I talk to my clients, I always say just because everybody else isn't doing it doesn't mean that it isn't something that you should do, right? I shouldn't yeah. do, excuse me. Um, right. And I, I'm always like a, a well-written, well-tailored cover letter can never hurt, but yeah. a generic, poorly tailored one, right? that can, well, yeah. that can be your demise. If it's just, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you're if you're submitting your resume via via email, that mm -hmm. what and you're attaching your resume because you have a connection to someone who said, "Hey, here's my email. Send me the." Then that is technically a cover letter, and you want to spend that time talking about why you're applying and why you're why you're a fit. Now, again, if you're just doing that copy and paste and say, hey, I'm applying to your and you're treating like a form and you're just deleting and then putting that job at, you know, this place, you know, please contact me if you have whatever, then no, that don't bother, you know, like it's not, it's not worth it. Now you might have that letter in there and, and I promise you that could, there are chance that the letter could be the thing that says, you know what, that person over the person who didn't take the time to do the extra because um, applicant tracking systems always give you the option to upload additional documents. So you can, mm -hmm. up, you can upload samples for your job when it applies. Again, every position does not, does not, is not going to produce artifacts. Every position is not going to, like, that's not going to matter. Like if you're doing something that doesn't require you to show that you are an excellent writer, <laughs> um, then it's not really, it's not really going to make a difference. Yeah. So All right. next question. LinkedIn, another hot topic in the job search process. You know, uh, LinkedIn has been around for a while. It is a, you know, people call it all types of things. I've seen students call it a professional Facebook. That's not what it is, but that's a, that's a conversation maybe for later. Pearson, um, <laughs> as a recruiter, what role do you see LinkedIn playing when it comes to landing interviews and jobs? And should college students and early graduates reach out to recruiters directly through the platform? Yes, if the recruiter has made it known that they want to engage people that way. Uh, LinkedIn is great for early career 
because only, well, the last time they took the statistics was in 2019. So with COVID and with all the other things that are going on, a 10.2% uh, unemployment rate, that no, this number has probably changed. But as of 2019, only 25% of the profiles on LinkedIn were from um, recent grads so or, or college students. So it is important that you get on there because when recruiters are coming to LinkedIn, which they do, you know, they, they go to Indeed first um, or more, more often. Indeed is the most used site, but they do come to LinkedIn to search for folks. And if you're there and 75% of, of the other people aren't, like you're, you're going to be found, like you're going to be uh, at the top of the list. So I definitely do say use LinkedIn um, as best as you can. If you're finding that there aren't a lot of of early career positions in your field being being listed on LinkedIn, then uh, that might not be the best place to spend a, the the bulk of your time job searching. But it doesn't mean that you can't you know check back every once in a while, see what's going on. You know, search for you can search for recruiters at the organizations that you're interested in, and you know just send a note if they have a job open. Send a note if their profile is open to re to receiving uh, inquiries. Awesome, but so I, I do agree that it is that it is a, a professional face. Actually, I well, because I've been on LinkedIn since 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 you needed an invitation to be on LinkedIn. Mm. It was, it was only for us. Like you had to have a job in HR in TA to be invited to LinkedIn to to talk to other people like you, you know, and to be able to search and post jobs and like all that stuff came later. And and it's more so like Tinder to, you know, right now than it is anything else. And it's, it's a cesspool in terms of the conversations that are had, um, the things that are most highly engaged have absolutely nothing to do with um, helping you be a, a better, um, whatever it is your career track is um it's just it, it's it's a it's a cesspool to me because i've been on it so long and i guess my network is big enough that you know for me personally when it is a highly engaged post that i make it's usually someone from my second level or third level connections who's just coming to tell me how stupid i am how wrong i am and call me all kinds of names that don't have anything to do with anything and i'm oh. like and tell them peace and blessings. Oh, I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. People are wild on the internet streets. Behind no, they people. really are. I mean, and again, LinkedIn, unfortunately, is no different. So just be be prepared. Yeah. Well, yeah. follow-up question to that. For students who are just trying to build their LinkedIn profile, what are a couple of things they should keep in mind? Um, so I'm I'm pulling back on some of the things that, that I advise just because... Again, wh where we are in terms of building more inclusive cultures, like I've changed my, like I'm not going by that script so much anymore. So mm -hmm. when I say, you know, have a professional picture, like what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I think that it's, that it's reasonable to not want to see a picture of your last date or you in a bikini unless you're I mean unless you're going for a lifeguard job I mean that if it makes sense then then yes okay um or to you know do I don't know 
we still do this, but you're, you know, when you're taking a selfie and you do duck lips, like something like that, like, is that really what you want to project? And, and that may be, you know, it may be funny. It may be a joke. And some people may, may catch on to that, but you know, personally, um, not okay. Now, as far as pictures go, I have turned people away, like, or not accepted their, um, LinkedIn connection request. I had a gentleman who was shirtless. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I hope you boasted him. Look, no, I just boasting is not optional. I just no, he was like he didn't have. I was like, is he like he doesn't have a shirt on? Or the people that again they come and try and you know want to want to approach you on a personal level, um, you know, or talk about your appearance or something like that. So I would just say to keep it for whatever it means to you as professional as possible, have your contact information there, have a way people can get in touch with you. Um, make sure that what what's on your resume and what's on your profile matches. Uh, you can or cannot upload your resume. You don't have to. Uh, if you do, again, that becomes, you know, someone else can, can open your resume and copy it. You know, so there, there's things that you can, that you have to be aware of. You you can keep your profile as private as you want or only have certain information available. Um, but yeah, just just keep it as, like I said, as professional, whatever that means to you as possible. And talk about the kind of job that you're, you know, have an eye catching headline. Um, so that I know, and so that I know you're looking for a job. Um, when you are on there, you know, your name is gonna follow you. So you know, if you just click on the folks that are that are in your network or, you know, you connected to someone, look and see who else they're connected to or who else other people have searched for with that same job title or in that same city or that works for that same company. Uh, go ahead and, and build your network. I like to say build your network from the smallest point and then build out. Like, don't try to bring the inside and then shrink it down. Like, start small and then build, build, build out. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. I love that. I tell people all the time, you want to, you want to sort of focus on curating that connections list, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not something you don't want to just run for the numbers. The vanity metric of 500 plus connections is cute. But if you just connected with an admin in Czechoslovakia, I don't know what that's <laughs> going to do for you, right? But so yeah. you need to be very mindful of who you're who you're bringing in and making sure that you're sort of building on top of your connections, not just yeah. connecting with anybody, right? Cool. Um, okay, great. So we got another question here. Um, and so it's about salaries. So mm -hmm. we know that sal base salaries set the tone for what we're gonna get paid, um, especially in the job that we're currently in, right? We go into a company, all of our raises are on top of our base pay. So it sort of sets the tone there. With college students and early graduates having little experience, what advice would you give them in relation to like negotiating an initial offer? Know what the market is in the city and in the, the, um, the industry, the job. There are free markets, like there are free surveys you can, um, you can run, like you can put in, like what is the average salary for a, an accountant in Niagara Falls? I don't know why I picked Niagara Falls, but sure. <laughs> And it will tell you. And and not only that, you know, it will tell you by the type of company. So know what the job is worth um, and then add tax to that because that's what you are worth. Um, 
I all I, it, with respect to your job being, you know, offering you an, an X salary, you know, I think more companies are being are being uh, having trade trade pay transparency more so than they were years ago. Um, and I'm hoping that more states will stop that question of what was your last salary uh, when you're looking for a job? Because again, jobs are, are you know, the, the salaries are go by the job, not necessarily the person, but inside of companies, it is harder to get certain uh, increases, even if you got, you know, that an additional degree, a certification, you took some training, um, you did a special project, you know, there are bonuses, there are other things that you can do. So I, I advise folks to think about their total compensation, especially when they're working for organizations that are startups or that are smaller companies that offer benefits that, you know, some of the larger corps aren't opening. So if they're offering you full healthcare, um, they're closer to your, to your home, you don't have to, you can uh, work, you can work remotely either one, you know, a percentage of the time, you know, maybe a hundred percent of the time, perhaps they give you a stipend to, to ride public transportation or they pay for your parking. Um, there may be a gym, uh, there may be other amenities at the, you know, on site that, you know, another company doesn't have. So you have to think about the value also in the benefits package and in the perks and think about the total compensation and not just what your base pay is. That's so good. It's it's a lot more complicated than we might think. Uh, I think even after you've worked a number of years and have experience under your belt, it doesn't get easier, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so Kirsten, the, that's the end of our formal list of questions. But I'm also just, you know, sitting here thinking about all of the great information that you've shared. And one question that we asked um, on our first episode, which was just co-hosts, there are four of us, and we were chatting about things that we wish we'd known when we were in college mm. about the world of work. And so now I want to pose that question to you. What do you wish that you had known when you were in college? Um, what might you have done differently? You know, what do you wish someone would have told you about navigating the workplace uh, as a black woman? I would have uh, gotten internships. I did not do that. Now, I worked in high school and I even worked in college, but I did not take advantage of, you know, getting an internship because I, I thought I was going to school to go to school again, you know, to go to law school. So there was never going to be, a, you know, get a job right out of college. So I regret not spending time in corporate America. Uh, I was fortunate, though, that, you know, my mother had a workplace that she could bring me to. So, you know, I saw things, but even then you're, you're kind of an outsider and you're seeing things through the, through a different perspective. So if I was able to, to work inside of a corporate company and see how they do things, how things work, you know, the, you know, the politics, the, the bureaucracy, you know, oh. some of the nonsense, I, I think I would have been, um, better prepared in the sense that I would not have been so shocked when when things did not go my way when mm -hmm. I when barriers were put in were put in my were put in my way and you know when there were you know all the how to address microaggressions and all those stuff and and you know even even feeling comfortable enough to have someone that I can that I can talk to about those things you know knowing that I could do that, feeling like there was a place of safety. Like those are the things that I wish I had done earlier in my career. Um, and I should have started in college. 
Yeah, that's huge and hard, right? Like I think I think even knowing all that we know now about the landscape of the workplace, the landscape of recruiting, um, it's it's a lot to shoulder the burden of doing your job well. Yes. Living your life and all the different components that go into your life and then trying to advocate for yourself and others to create a place that's more inclusive for whoever else is there or might come behind you. It is um, it is definitely emotional labor and it's deeply important work. So um, that is one reason why I was so excited that we had uh, you on the lineup for tonight because you, I'm sure, have seen a lot of things <laughs> out here in the recruiting space. I mean, when you said people were on your comments on LinkedIn, I'm like, whoo, I haven't experienced that yet, but I definitely know that it probably is coming because some of those private messages on LinkedIn get a little wild. So, hindsight is always 2020 when it comes to, you know, a lot of this stuff. And one of the things that I know is we aren't often taught how to get jobs, how to maintain careers, all these things, right? This is something that right. a lot of us did as first generation professionals. And so, yeah. you know, navigating that and being able to tell people sort of some of the pitfalls we've encountered can hopefully help them either not encounter them or navigate through them better, right? That's, yeah. that's really what I hope can happen there. Oh, this is a good question. So it says, I feel like I remember applying to like 500 jobs and got back like three interviews. How do you avoid burnout? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. First, congratulations on keeping excellent records. Um, because I don't know that even I would be able to uh, keep up with how many how many jobs I have applied to. Um, I would say that if you weren't getting any feedback, again, it's, it's a matter of, of getting to know, you know, getting to the no, getting to the next opportunity. And perhaps it was the resume, perhaps it was the jobs that you were looking for, you know, what things did you change? The, the folks that did call you back, what was different about them? What did you do different in that process? So maybe trying to analyze where in the process things fell apart or things didn't didn't come to completion, didn't get to the interview, didn't get to the offer stage. Uh, 500 jobs is, is a lot to apply to. Uh, I, I don't even know that I'm qualified for 500 jobs, but wow. Look, look, so for me, you know, when I when I hear that, what I often think is I often say, some you start you, it's sort of the trial and error that that you started talking about right it's sort of figuring out what worked well and what didn't work well inside right. of this process and sometimes it's it's sort of analyzing okay was it my resume am i optimizing my resume to make it past those applicant tracking systems if you got to the interview stage and you you're not hearing anything back okay what's your interview what are your interview skills looking like right um mm -hmm. maybe sometimes it's not your resumes, maybe sometimes it's your job search process. All right. So depending on the industry that you're trying to go into, yeah, it's you can apply online, but that's also really competitive. You might want to try and figure out how to land a referral from someone to make yeah. you a little bit more likely to get somewhere. Right. Um, so it's really looking at all these different ways. You might be in an industry where the resume is not the best way to actually land a job. You need to develop a portfolio, boo. <laughs> that's just simply what right. you got to do. Right. So it's really taking a 
look at your process and analyzing it piece by piece. Okay, like like Kirsten said, okay, these three called me back. What what happened in that process with those three that didn't happen with the other 497, right? Let's figure that part out because that's the part that's going well. Okay, what didn't go well with the rest of it, right? And moving from there, I think is really, really critical. Um, yeah, I think that's I would just add also like just gathering feedback from people that you know, love and trust. And especially as it relates to like if you are writing cover letters or you do get to the interview phase and it doesn't convert, asking for feedback. And if you don't get it in the room or after that session, ask for feedback from people that you know and do a mock interview simulation and do several of them. Because I think, you know, when I look back to college and the few years after, some people are naturally really good at having a conversation in what otherwise is a pressure, highly pressured situation. Even, you know, it takes a while, I think, for people to get comfortable with interview conversations. So as a college student, that might not be your thing. Or maybe that's your thing, but your, you know, your cover letter writing skills are, are not great. Or maybe you're good at those two things, but you're really not great at creating um, good questions to use in an interview, which is important as well, right? Like there, there are pieces that we all have areas to upskill around. And so I always tell uh, clients, gather as much feedback as you can, filter through it and keep the good. Like actually apply the feedback that you're getting because feedback is only as valuable as, as you use it. So, um, you know, for college students these days, it's like, we're out here all living in virtual land you might have a leg up because because you're used to engaging with friends and family um, in a virtual environment. And so if you can kind of pivot into job search mode, you might be able to really go after it uh, if you're if you're really savvy. So that's all I would yeah. add. Yeah, I love that. I love it. OK, so we're, we're answered that question. We have another one that has popped up. What tips? Do you have for seniors applying to full-time jobs right now with coronavirus in the job market in the way it is currently? Do it. There are a lot of jobs available, uh, and there are a lot of jobs that will that will allow you to remain remote. Jobs that you wouldn't normally have access to because you don't live in that geographic area. So, so do it. Apply. I agree. Um, you know, I, I think it's about also figuring out. How are you going to make yourself stand out? What can you do at this point in time to make yourself stand out? Maybe that is reaching out to the recruiter and introducing yourself. Maybe that's doing some type of value validation project that you can put in front of me in one of the interviews. What can you do to sort of showcase what that return on investment in you is going to be? Because we have a lot of people that are out there in the market right now. And if we want to stand out from them, we need to make sure that we sort of figure out how to how we have that competitive edge what makes us different and we need to be able to communicate that when we're talking to people as well mm -hmm. this is a good time to take risks too um I, I say go for it because i think there's there's not there, there's there's a different amount of time like we can we can pivot our time different ways and as as you mentioned uh as tiffany mentioned a few minutes ago you all have in have a competitive advantage against other generations in the sense that you grew up in technology and you can use it and leverage it in ways that does not come naturally and it's not second nature to the, to a Gen Xer like me. And it's that's exciting 
you know, when I, when I see something like that, you know, when I get, instead of a thank you note, you know, a thank you video, I'm like, okay. <laughs> or when someone says, Hey, I went to your website and, um, you know, if you do a blah, 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 I might not understand what they're talking about, but I'm like, Oh, okay. Thank you. And I don't take it as a, you know, as a criticism, I take it as someone who is, you know, trying to show their, trying to show their value. So there are ways that you can definitely, um, make your st yourself stand out because you all are competing, not just with each other, but with, you know, what we haven't had before, you know, three other generations in the workforce at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that figuring that figuring out how to use technology to your advantage. I actually had um, a client recently who had a target. He was, he studied marketing and he actually had a target company that he wanted to work at. And he actually developed this entire targeted marketing scheme on Google wow. ads to target the company. So like anytime anyone from the, from that company was going to Google, they were seeing ads about his resume. <laughs> what? Yeah. I love it. So, I love it. I love right. It. So like, it's just finding ways that are like, look, I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing, or I know I want to do this. Maybe it's, you can't go as elaborate as that, but maybe it's a, you know, I want, I know I want to go into HR. So start taking courses and certifications to show that you want to work towards that, that you're actively seeking to get in that field too. That's another way to help you stand out in those types of things. Mm -hmm. So we got one more question that's popped up in the chat. This question says, as an African-American woman, what are some book suggestions to help prepare for that transition from college to corporate or to simply gain insight into the workplace? Ooh. Man, that's, a, that's an excellent question. So I'm going to plug the homie who's been on uh, Living Corp Pod a few times, Minda Hart. Minda Hart. <laughs> I actually gave to, I actually um, gave two of her books away as as gifts to to um, clients. So uh, definitely read Secure the Seat. Uh, as if you are an African American woman, uh, that is a an excellent an excellent book to read. And let's see. <sighs> I think it would depend on your. I I, I personally haven't read any um, workbooks. During the pandemic, because I was trying to uh, give myself some peace, so I've been reading things for more so for pleasure. Uh, I was part of a book club, and the last um, the last book we read was you know the the highly effective people uh, book, which it, which still has relevance, even though it's you know generally about the industrial revolution. There is still a lot of relevance. There's a lot of things that I took from there uh, in terms of how I organize my work each day in terms of how I organize my presentations and how I communicate with people. I would say that there are book, if, if there are any books on like emotional intelligence um, that, that um, you can look up, you know, take a look at those, take a look at things that have to do with, again, with whatever field you're interested in or something that has to do with your passion. You'd be surprised, you know, a knitting book might help you um, with something, like I said, there, there have been things that I have, that I've read, uh, I like, I've been reading Octavia Butler books and, you know, they've helped me <laughs> to stay sane, you know, because I can, I can put in, there's a lot of leadership themes, um, in her book. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, themes around 
how to be authentic and um, accountable. And, you know, that's one of my core tenets. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a book that is written for, you know, that is written just pre- just about the world of work that, that can help you, but 100% get Minda's book. And uh, Kanika Tolliver is another one. She has a, a good book about pivoting um, in your career. Now that that's normally for uh, folks that are, that have been working, but it, it will help those that are early in their career to get a jump start. Yeah, I would co-sign on Minda's book for real. And she has like a, a theme Thursdays on Instagram where you can watch her um, mm-hmm. by herself or with guests talk about topics that are relevant to the workplace. She's everywhere and she's awesome. Um, I would add two more. They're not written by Black women specifically, but The Likeability Trap uh, by Alicia mm-hmm. Menendez. Um, is a good one uh, that really just helps you think about how, you know, being yourself, whatever that means to you, doesn't and shouldn't be a barrier in the workplace. Um, And it just kind of drops the concept of likability, which women and Black women in particular have to navigate is a very loaded word and all of that. So I definitely recommend that. And then um, it's a little old school, but it's one of my favorites. First 90 days. First 90 days, 100%. <laughs> because I think a lot of time, there are a lot of lessons in that book that when you're early in your career or new to the world of work, you might not be thinking about work from a sort of strategy offense perspective, like how to step into being a professional. Um, and I really want, if, if there was like one thing I could tell every college student, it's like people are not giving out jobs for pity. Like you have a value add when somebody hires you. So that is a mental shift that is required. And so I encourage the first 90 days to get your head in the game in terms of activating your own agency as a professional. Yes. So I, I second all of those books. <laughs> um, um, there are, so I'm actually reading this book here right now. It's called Diversity in the Workplace, Eye-Opening Interviews uh, to Jumpstart Conversations about Identity, Privilege, and Bias. Um, it's by Bari Williams. That is a Black woman. Um, yeah. So I'm, cur- I'm currently reading this right now. Um, the other book that I would, yeah, that's by Bari. Yep. Um, so... The other book that I'm reading right now, this is, well, not reading right now, I have read. Um, It's not written by a Black woman, but um, it's called The Two-Hour Job Search by Steve Dalton. Um, I've acted, he actually gives um, a nice framework on sort of how to identify target companies, how to identify people at those target companies to reach out to. He gives this six point email on how to reach out to those people, how to track your follow up inside of that, right? It's sort of, uh, uh, gives you an entire framework for your job search process. So you're able to keep track of things, you know, how to reach out to people appropriately. Um, and I think it's a, a really good framework to start off with and sort of add your own flair and infusion to from there. So those would probably be my top two recommendations right now at this point. He's interviewed everybody. And everybody, <laughs> like literally, you know, you know, when when he had Robin D'Angelo talking about white fragility on the podcast, I was like, bruh, Zach is getting everybody up in here. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute! I don't have enough right? time. Every podcast, I gotta listen to all of them though. What is that? Look, look, and it's funny because I had just seen her right before quarantine hit. Um, she came to the University of Michigan for the um, 
the Martin Luther King Symposium. So um, she talked about the 1619 Project. So that's pretty cool. Um, but okay, perfect. Well, we are towards the end of the session here, right? So, um, you know, we really want to thank each and every one of you for coming and joining us. We want to ask you to share this series with your friends, share it with family members, share it with anybody who is a college student or recent graduate, um, because we really want to make sure that we are growing the platform as much as possible and connecting with the right people. We really want to make this a platform to help you all grow um, and transition into the workforce as seamlessly as possible. So, um, yeah, Tiffany, you got you got anything uh, before we have uh, Kirsten give us our, her plug for her social and some things? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Whip, whipping work. Whipping work. Lord. Uh, I just dropped the Living Corporate uh, Twitter link in the chat earlier. Go and follow Living Corporate so you know what's happening, what's hot, and what's next. Um, and we're so glad y'all joined us tonight. Yes. So, Kirsten, tell them where the people can find you. I am everywhere at Trap Recruiter. At, at tra Look, that is simple. That is simple. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, you guys, come and join us. Next week, we're going to be talking about why your personal brand matters, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you join us. Um, and we will be back here at the same time next week. So join us. Tell people about it. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Thanks you so much for joining us, Kirsten. You. you have a great rest of your night. You too. Bye-bye.